What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Take Three Podcast. My name is Brandon, and as always, I'm joined by my guy Alex here on a Wednesday to uh, get into our second division preview. Obviously, last week we talked about the AFC East. Uh, that was fun. This one is a little bit more special for us. You know, we are Eagles fans, and this is a division that uh, my entire life has revolved around as a football fan. So it's always fun to talk about uh, the NFC East, and it's always interesting because we haven't had a repeat champion since 2004 when the Eagles did it. So it's can the Cowboys do it again? They're seemingly in a good spot. Obviously, we'll get into what they lost, what they gained. And then we have the Commanders. They got Carson Wentz. They just paid Scary Terry. Can that defense get back? Uh, Brian Dable takes over in New York. They had a good draft. We'll talk about that. And then, obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles, they made their offseason moves. Howie Roseman, solid. I'll give him an A. He annoys me at draft time, but he got the job done this year. So uh, before we really dive into the Giants, which we'll cover first, uh, first off, how are you doing this Wednesday? And uh, – uh, what are you looking forward to in this division this year? Yeah, I'm doing good. NFC East, some Eagles football, obviously. Um, like you said, no repeat champion. So this division is always interesting because it just feels like a coin flip every year going into it, no matter who the like preseason favorite is. Um, this is one of those divisions. I would not be surprised if any team won. I do think that two teams are much better than the other two, but if somehow the bottom teams won, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. It's just one of those divisions that like teams get hot, they beat each other up, and I feel like anything can really happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll say first on the record, if the New York Giants win this division this year, I probably stop. I probably won't watch football anymore because the Giants, I mean, they do get Brian Dable. We might as well jump into it uh, this offseason. They obviously got rid of Joe Judge. Uh, Gettleman's out. So they have a new regime. They get Brian Dable and Mike Kafka now to run the team and run the offense. Uh, seemingly, they were 31st in uh, offense last year. So that's a big focal point when you bring in a guy like Dable. And then obviously it's Daniel Jones. They didn't pick up the fifth year option. So this is kind of literally the last stand. It's Ken Brian Dable work any magic like he did with Josh Allen and Buffalo after year one and kind of build him up and uh, show. I kind of have my doubts. Obviously they're looking at Saquon Barkley. Uh, he's another guy. He could be looking at uh, next year being in a new uniform. If he doesn't pick up the production, obviously he had major knee injury came back last year. So, so it's now a year off of that which is seemingly the timeline when guys kind of get that burst back. So we look to see that. But the Giants, I mean, on the offensive side, they build up the O-line. They bring back, obviously, they still have Andrew Thomas at left tackle. They went out, drafted Evan Neal. Uh, I loved that pick. That was a good pick out of Alabama. Uh, they get Kayvon Thibodeau as well with their uh, two top 10 picks. So I liked what they did at the top of the board uh, with those draft picks. They come back wide receiver-wise. They have Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony. He's been trade rumors all year. I don't know why you would trade him. He was explosive last year when they started to use him right. I don't get it. Sterling Shepard's obviously there. And then the defense, I mean, the most part, Leonard Williams is still there. Dexter Lawrence, the core's there. Obviously, they lose Bradbury. They uh, let him go. Comes to Philadelphia. We'll get into that. But um, right on the first, uh, the first question, I'll just jump right into it. I mean, what do you see when you look at this Giants roster? And do you think that Brian Dable can get anything out of Daniel Jones and kind of put together somewhat of a season? Because their season really revolves around Daniel Jones, right? Can he do anything to make that offense uh, better than 31st? Yeah, so for me, the New York Giants, like their personnel definitely improved. I'm excited for that offensive line because it's just been so bad. Um, to me, it's like I, I'm so excited to see what the coaching changes do, right? Uh, I'm not crazy about Daniel Jones. I think I've been on the record multiple times. I don't think Daniel Jones is that good. Um, I think he's a low-end starter in this league. But to be fair to him, he's had a terrible regime around him, horrible offensive lines, uh, archaic offensive schemes. So it's like, to me, it's very exciting to see Brian Dable come in. I expect to see a more modern NFL offense, uh, maybe – Obviously, you get Saquon back. They want to give him the rock, and they're going to run it. But I expect more passing, um, some pre-snap motion. Uh, get get these receivers involved, right? You were talking about Kadarius Tony. I think Darius Slayton is more likely to be traded than Tony, but you never know, right? But I want to see some pre-snap motion. Kadarius Tony is such a speedster. Uh, hopefully, Kenny Galladay can be uh, big on the outside and be healthy the whole year. It's just really interesting to see what Brian Dable does. Um, Daniel Jones has shown that he's not a great runner, but he certainly is fast, right? I wouldn't be doing designed runs for him, but I wouldn't be mad about him getting out of the pocket and extending plays and not necessarily throwing the ball down the field, but picking up four or five, six yards at a time. He's clearly capable of doing it. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, 
I'm not super high on this Giants team. I think they do have some really good players, and the NFC East could get flipped upside down at any point in time to me. But, like, it's just to me, it's I am just want to see what Brian Dable and Kafka do with the offense. I'm expecting pre-snap motion, um, much more exciting, more modern NFL offense. And let's see what Daniel Jones can really do because his nickname's Danny Dimes, right? And he does have a nice ball when he actually has time. And if I'm going to be fair to him, in, like, some of the more advanced stats and the deeper passing, he comes – in the top half of the league for it, but he, his attempts are always much lower because he never has time. He's always, always getting pressured. So if the offensive line can hold up and we get a more modern NFL offense, which we definitely should with Dable, I think it's interesting. Uh, I got him winning only six games. I still think they're like five to seven games. I'm not going to go crazy here, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch Daniel Jones. It's pretty much, you got to have a really good season this year. But if you're the Giants, I don't know. You still might pick it up because I don't know if there's a ton of great options moving forward. So there's a lot of question marks around this team, but there is room for optimism. I expect a much improved team. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get Joe Judge out of there, I mean, he we saw what he could do. He was garbage, uh, terrible, terrible fourth down play calls, suspect. I think they did like a QB sneak on third and eight or was it fourth and eight? It was some – some bullshit that they pulled last year that was just terrible. But, yeah, I mean, I expect the offense to look a lot more uh, modern, but it comes down to what Daniel Jones can do, right? He wasn't really that great at Duke. It was never really – when he was coming out, it was never really like the, the home run pick. And, obviously, we've seen now we're entering year five where or year four where it's just been kind of meh. And then you also have Tyrod Taylor that's kind of sitting back there. So you got a question. I mean, Brian Dable, how long will he let it run before he just pulls the plug? You know what I mean? Because I'm going to go off the assumption that they're swinging for a QB at the top of next year, right? You're going to have Bryce Young there. You're going to have CJ Stroud out out of Ohio State. You're going to have a lot of options out there that I think Daniel Jones would have to put up a pretty damn good year, a, a crazy good year to even convince them to say, yeah, you know, this this guy could be the guy. If we give him another year in Dable's system, we give him two more years in Dable's system, it fixes it. So it's like I can't even sit here right now and say that Daniel Jones lasts through – it plays the entire year, right? I just – I don't know. And then it just – obviously, as you said, it comes down to the O-line. Will they keep him upright? Evan Neal was a good pick. Uh, it's kind of a cohesive unit. And – um yeah, I don't know. I don't trust Daniel Jones, but I do like the move with Dable. Obviously, he has a good track record as being a QB whisperer and kind of building quarterbacks up. So the foundation's there. It's just I think it's really going to come down to uh, is Daniel Jones there, right? Because Dable can only lay the foundation. Uh, it comes down to number eight on Sundays. And uh, I just I don't have much optimism. Uh, you went with six. I had him at five wins. It was kind of a stretch to get there. It's just kind of one of those things where it's uh they're kind of similar to the jets right they're really building almost i mean not as much from the ground up but pretty much the same thing right and they got to go find a way to get their guy if uh, daniel jones can't somehow put together a, a random 30 touchdowns 10 pick season and really c- convince people um i i just don't see it it also leads me into the second question is like is this the last run for saquon barkley right because they picked him at the top of the uh top of the draft a couple of years ago. And it's like, I always, I don't know why teams pick running backs that high. I don't know why they do it. I don't know why we're, let's see another team in this division that had to remove receivers off of their core because they picked a running back that high and paid him. Um, is this kind of the, do you think it's the last run of the mill in New York for Saquon Barkley? Obviously he'll probably have a spot with a team and other team will take a flyer on him, but will he regain any form that we saw prior to the, uh, the knee injury? Cause that's a big part of their offense as well, right? If Saquon's running the rock, and they can feed him in the passing game. It takes a lot of pressure off of uh, Daniel Jones and figures to be a weapon that Brian Dable will want to uh, activate and use quite often going into this year. So if I'm the Giants, I want Saquon for the right price. Obviously, that matters for every player. But like you hinted at the Cowboys Ezekiel Elliott payment. And it's just like I'm not I was never in favor of paying him. I would have never given that contract. Uh, I would keep Saquon if the contract's reasonable, but like he should go and try and get his money. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. The thing is, can he return to form? I don't know if he'll be as explosive as pre-injury, but I expect him to still be damn good. And I think the big difference for this season for Saquon is I don't think he has to touch the rock 20 to 30 times a game. You still want him touching it at least 15. He's a phenomenal player, right? 
Um, but the other iterations of those Giants teams, you got Daniel Jones, terrible offensive lines. You can't get anything going in the pass game. So you're relying so heavily on Saquon. He's getting hit, uh, just getting hit so many times every game. I think that this season could take a lot of pressure off him. Like he's still, once again, should get 15 to 20 touches, but I don't think he should be getting 25 plus. And I think Dable's going to do a good job of doing that. Goes back to the improved offensive line, uh, improved offensive scheme, pre-snap motion, uh, getting him hopefully wide open looks instead of trying to, you know, break through contact every time. So I expect Saquon to have a much better year. And as far as retaining him, it's just all about the right price, right? If Saquon goes out there and has a monster year, um, I think it'd be silly for New York to give him a huge contract or pay him a ton of money. But I mean, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing. I could see the Giants doing it. But if I'm the Giants and we're not, we have another season. If Saquon has a great year, but we're still another season where we only win five or six games and we got to look at the quarterback and I don't want to invest the money into that position. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I don't think he'll regain kind of that rookie year for him prior to the knee injury. I think obviously the, the workload won't be as much. And it's kind of in that where he's not that type of guy just coming off the knee injury to be that workhorse as you said 25 30 touches guy I don't think he's there right anymore I don't think the game's really like that unless you have Derrick Henry where he's just like a, a superhuman transformer robot that can just carry the ball never fatigue and throw guys off him I just don't think it's there but I mean you make a good point if the price is right but I just think uh, I just think if he gets out there on the open market like some team uh, some shitty team that wants to sell a couple jerseys will be able to market off of Saquon Barkley enough right to where New York they got a new regime Gettleman's out right if Gettleman was still there I'm like okay this guy might be dumb enough to to just keep Saquon around but I don't think that the new regime with Dable uh, I mean if the number was there think would be it would be enticing but i think he'll get a little bit more than the giants are willing to so i kind of do think it's the last run of the mill i mean we kind of see that it is as the running back position as a whole and they'll look to just uh, not want to invest in the running back uh, position keep that flexible right you'll end up having a rookie quarterback contract and go draft a running back next year as well and just keep it keep it kind of going right that's that's kind of where it's trending i don't think this uh, new giants regime will make the same mistake that the uh, that the cowboys made um, last question is really all I got to say is what does a successful season in New York even look like? Like, what do we consider a success for the uh, for the Giants this year? Is it you win six games, you win seven games? Is it I don't know, as I said, Daniel Jones somehow puts together uh, the 30 touchdowns, 10 pick season? Uh, is it the O line holds together, the defense kind of stands out? Like, what is a good uh, what does a successful Giants uh, season look like in Brian Dable's first year? I was going to ask you a similar question just in my head. Like, where do you gauge their success, right? I think if you're in the Giants organization, I think you're going to win the division. I mean, that kind of sounds crazy. I believe they're plus 800 to win the division. But like we've seen the NFC East, like I've said multiple times, get flipped upside down real fast. And I think their thinking is Dable can come in and get Daniel Jones going, right? And then defensively with uh, Martindale, you I wouldn't, I think they'll be middle of the pack. You know, Martindale wants to all out blitz and blitz like crazy. So I think they'll take way more chances defensively. And that could, you know, that's a coin flip. You take chances, you can get burned or you can get the ball turnovers. Right. So that's, it's just really hard to gauge. So to me, the giants, I think are going in trying to win games. They expect Daniel Jones to be better. Everything we said earlier about the offensive line, it's just so hard to gauge the success. Cause if, Daniel Jones and they're mediocre and they win six to seven games. Is that enough losses to go draft a top quarterback talent? Or do you pull the plug halfway through if you, you know, you're two and four or something? It's just, it's really hard to gauge for this Giants team because there's a lot of variables. Do you ride the ship out and like try and, and you turn out seven and nine with Daniel Jones? Is that good enough? It's just, it's really hard to gauge. I think if you're in the Giants building though, you fully expect to try and compete for the division because in theory you if you can get Daniel Jones playing well and you get a much more modern offensive system the defense is playing better can create some turnovers you should in I mean in theory you you might be able to win this division with 10 wins it all just depends on how it breaks but it's I don't I think if you're in the Giants organization you go for the division as an outside person looking in I think you might be better off not having a great year and trying to draft a better quarterback talent. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's ideal not to win. It sounds weird to say, like, preseason not to win a ton of games. But, yeah, I think that's the outlook, just seeing the foundation, right, seeing that the offense looks more cohesive uh, as a unit in uh, Dable's first year, seeing that foundation with Kafka and Dable, and then just seeing that, hey, we made Daniel Jones, who was god-awful, look somewhat better and just realize that we can turn a rookie quarterback that's probably more talented, like a Bryce Young, like a C.J. Stroud, and saying if we toss him in there, we made this guy who sucked for four years uh, look like this. If we toss a rookie quarterback in, and uh, what the sky's the limit, right? So I just think laying the foundation, right, getting off of that kind of it just uh, there's a lot of negativity, I guess, in, in Giants land through the Joe Judge era, where it was like the seasons were over before they even started, right? There was no chance, like he was just that bad. There was just that there was nothing there. So I think that, but I mean, there is the flip side. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Giants fan, and obviously Brian Dable nearly uh, uh, getting to the Super Bowl or going deep in the playoffs with the Buffalo Bills, he's going to want to come in and try to win games, right? He doesn't want to hear Daniel Jones is going to limit limit my team and we're not going to win games and we're not going to do this. So, I mean, yeah, it is a double-edged sword, right? You you want to win games, obviously, as a rookie head coach in your first year, but then uh, is it the smart move, right? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they'll come in and straight blow it up, but yeah, that is, I never really thought about it like that. Like, yeah, winning six or seven games, you're probably, you're most likely not in a position to get one of those guys at the top, unless you're swinging a lot of draft picks to move up like the, uh, like the 49ers did um, to get Trey Lance, something like that. So it becomes an interesting uh, ordeal there. And if you're the Giants, I just don't think your roster is strong enough to be giving up all the draft picks for a quarter, a young quarterback. Like you brought up the Niners. They you, obviously we know that their roster was strong enough. They had just been to a Super Bowl appearance. They've been a very good team. They were beat up that year. So it's like I don't know if the Giants have that same luxury. I don't know if they could really afford it. Yeah, that's that's facts too. I present if if you're the Giants, would you think about saying maybe we go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo. We, we've seen he can win ball games. We get him with Brian Dable uh, and kind of we can mold this team around him. And that's a team where we could arguably win more ball games, right? We could win nine or 10 games, win a division. Um, would that be an option? Say you only win six or so you win six or seven, you're out of the running. Do you try to go maybe get a Jimmy G, get a veteran that's kind of we've seen can win games and pair him with uh, Brian Dable? Is that another option? That's actually a really interesting idea. I actually kind of like that a lot in paper. I've never thought about Jimmy G as a giant, but I think the thinking in that, or obviously you're talking about a scenario where they have played through this season. So, you know, about Daniel Jones, but I think heading in right now, they're thinking is that Daniel Jones is better than Jimmy and that Dable can prove it. And obviously Dable wants to be the guy that shows like, Hey, I got this dude where he is. So like, there's a lot of, a lot of layers here. Facts. Yeah. We'll find out. You know I mean? It's, it's interesting. There's a lot of things going on uh, with a team that only won four games, right? So, I mean, you said, would you have them? You had them at six wins on the year. I had them at five. So, we're right in the same ballpark of uh, of wins for Brian Dable's first uh, first year. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it's always – it's New York, so it's always going to get coverage, right? The Giants fans on Twitter are always going to be going crazy, saying dumb stuff. And um, it's always a circus in New York. But um, that leads us – straight into the second team that we're covering uh, another super interesting team uh the washington now called the commanders obviously they've been the football team for the past two years they finally got a name uh a corny name at that i'll say but uh looking at their roster they just paid scary terry obviously uh good deal for them they go out draft jahan dotson from penn state uh, they still have curtis samuel too we obviously didn't see a ton he was kind of beat up uh, last year, didn't play a ton of ball games. They go out get Andrew Norwell on the O-line. They get Trey Turner as well. So we see they're kind of building up. They got themselves an O-line. They obviously go out and get Carson Wentz, one of the biggest bums we've ever seen play quarterback. Um, what can I say, man? He had one good year. He's not really it anymore. Uh, Antonio Gibson, though, I love Antonio Gibson. Uh, they have Brian Robinson from Alabama and J.D. McKisnick, obviously, in the backfield on defense. It's all there, right? It's can they return to the 2020 form? They have Chase Young uh, coming back, De'Aaron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Jamin Davis in year two, Cole Holcomb. I mean, that defense uh, on paper, I love it. 
the question is, can it get back to the form that we saw it in 2020 that was terrorizing? We last year sat on here and did a preview and we were we were super excited about their defense and then watch them come out. The first half, they kind of put it together in the second half of the season, to be honest. They had a decent second half of the season on the defense, but uh, the first half just plagued them, right? And the quarterback play. But uh, new era, you know, new, new quarterback, obviously same bum owner. Ron Rivera is still there at head coach. Uh, what do you see the commanders before we really get into uh deep dive and talking about some questions that I have on paper for the commanders this year? The commanders to me are one of those teams that are like right in the middle, like an eight and eight, nine and seven, seven and nine. Obviously if you were right in the middle, uh, it's the NFL games can be decided by like coin flips and very small decisions. So obviously you could sway to 10 wins to six wins. Right. But I think they're right in the middle of the pack. They're a very interesting team. Um, we can say what we want about Carson wins, but let's not pretend that it's not an upgrade from Taylor Heineke. Right. So they, they clearly upgraded the position. Um, the thing with Carson Wentz, like we've known for a while, and I think uh, Frank Reich did a pretty decent job of it is like, you got to protect Carson and then, get him to limit the turnovers. Obviously it did not go well down the stretch form, but there was times where Carson looked good and that Indianapolis team looked damn good last year. And I think there's going to be times with Washington where he looks pretty good. Um, he's got receivers. Uh, we need Curtis Samuel to stay healthy for sure, but Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and then Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick, all those guys can get open on the line like really easily. So to me, it's like, they need to draw up plays that gets the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands faster. Um, we know that Carson loves to extend plays, and but that a lot of the times that leads to his turnovers. So I think they need to protect him, and they they need to work on getting the ball out of his hands faster. I like those guys I just mentioned: Gibson, Samuel, McLaurin. They can all get open on a consistent level in short and intermediate routes. You don't always have to go deep. Carson does like to win the game in one play. He's a big play guy, right? But I think if they can limit that the team could be pretty good honestly and then defensively like you said we were on this podcast last year and I was very high on them I picked them to win the division let me own it they were really bad uh I think they were third in DVOA in 2020 and then last year they were 27th in DVOA so they went from the top to the bottom I expect some uh adjustment I expect them to regress to like the middle I think they're going to be somewhere in the middle pack defensively and offensively I just something about this team just screams like eight and eight nine and seven, seven and nine. It's going to be interesting. Once again, it could go in either direction, but I do think they're better. I think without a doubt, they upgraded at the quarterback position and we just need consistency from that defense. Yeah, for sure. They're 25th in defense last year, uh, total defense and then 24th offensively. Yeah. I mean, they, they upgraded the quarterback position by one overall point. We'll give them that. Uh, they also drafted Sam Howe, so it's like, how will how will Carson handle that? We saw him get weird. Nah, back to the real stuff, though. I don't know what to do, right, with Carson Wentz. It's like he wasn't awful last year. He's actually, I mean, if you just look at the stats in Indianapolis, it was a pretty damn good year. But then you watch all kind of the, the freaky hero plays, and then you watch uh, just the total collapse down the stretch where they beat the Patriots and the Cardinals, right? The two, didn't we come, we come on here last year yep. and said they're winning one of those two, right? They'll win one. They win them both. And then they go ahead and finish, obviously how they finish and just get embarrassed and, uh, and that run, I guess my big thing for Carson Wentz is, can he, can he kind of win the locker room? We heard his, we now, uh, this we're, we're so far removed from his exit with the Eagles that we've kind of heard everything unravel that, uh, he was kind of in his own head. He was not really a coachable guy. Uh, the locker room did not really like him. They weren't really behind him. And uh, obviously we saw, and then he goes to Indianapolis last year and it was kind of like all was good. But then you heard afterwards when he exits there, he wasn't really a good locker room guy. And it's just weird, right? Because Frank Wright kind of vouched for him, brought him onto that team, a guy that they kind of had that trust. And then you hear that, that's how it ended. It's now two for two. With that, but I mean, on the field, yeah, I mean, that's literally my first question is, can he get back in form after collapsing uh, last year in Indianapolis? He obviously has the weapons there, right? You get a Terry McLaren, you get Curtis Samuel, if he can say healthy dots, and you even have Logan Thomas. I didn't even mention him uh, off the rip. He's a solid tight end, and then Antonio Gibson out of the backfield. So, yeah, I mean, I think he will be, yeah, he will be more consistent. They will get more consistency naturally over a Taylor Heineke. Uh, Taylor Heineke is just a journeyman quarterback. He's kind of fun to watch run around and have fun. Um, so, obviously, it's an upgrade for them there. But, I mean, yeah, do you think Carson Wentz can kind of 
uh, rekindle anything? Do you think he will, do you think the locker room will get behind him? Cause this is kind of like we're, we're entering the kind of the last run of the mill for him, right? When you go through, uh, you, you go to Indianapolis, you get ran out of there in one year and now you're on to Indy. It's like, he kind of has to, do you think he has to change up what he's doing and kind of, I don't know, he definitely has to win the locker room over. I'd say, cause if you go through three locker rooms in three years, uh, you're probably toast. Like you're looking at backup jobs at that point. So you think he'll mm-hmm. regain, uh, some type of form coming off that, uh, collapse last year was pretty pathetic ending to uh to last season in indianapolis on the field i do think he will for all the reasons i i mentioned earlier but i think this is a phenomenal question actually i really like this question because if you look at what the colts were saying they were they were on the record of talking about how the jaguars collapse which uh, kept them out of the playoffs had nothing to do with why they got off Carson. Obviously I'm sure it did impact. It's a sour taste in the year, but there's reports that they were already like halfway through the year, like wanting to move off from Carson because of leadership issues and how he handles the locker room and things like that. There's reports that even if he uh, won that Jags game, they were a wild card team, no matter what happens to the playoffs, they wanted to move off him. And they moved off him to Matt Ryan, a very a veteran, probably a ve- I would assume a very good leader in the locker room. He's always had positive things said about him. So like a very opposite. And I feel like he could do the same impact quarterbacking wise, but like, that's just a really good question for Carson because I mentioned all those guys can get open on the line of scrimmage, all these football reasons, but like <clears throat> coaches and players can't help Carson with the leadership thing. That's all on him. And like, I, I don't have a good answer for that. To me, I don't know the guy and I don't know details obviously, but just from like outside looking in and looking at the stories, I feel like Carson lacks uh, taking responsibility. I feel like he lacks self-awareness and like, I, I feel like he could come off, just lacking of emotional intelligence and self-awareness and come off like arrogant and perhaps like he doesn't real doesn't understand the full context of situations. Obviously I have no idea and I don't know, but especially if it happens again this year, like you said, third locker room in three years, that is like the biggest, to me, that's the biggest coin flip for Carson. It's the leadership things. Cause it's really, really telling to me that they were talking to that Indianapolis said they were still ready to move off of him because of the leadership things. And it didn't really matter the result of the Jaguars game. Yep. Not a good sign. I mean, yeah, I think Carson wants, he will be fine on the field, but obviously uh, football is a chemistry game, right? And if you don't, if you're the quarterback of a team and you don't have a locker room behind you, and then it's kind of, we saw him, uh, Indianapolis, seemingly good organization, you know, I mean, foundation with Frank Reich and those guys, solid, uh, cohesive. And then you come to Washington where you got Daniel Snyder, one of the biggest jokes of the league. Uh, You got guys like Jack Del Rio in the locker room, another goofball joke, Uh, him and Wentz, they're probably good buddies by now. But I just don't see it. Uh, I just don't. I can't trust a guy that's now been through uh, two organizations. We've heard the same things both trips. I just don't see him coming in and uh, changing it up. Right. It's it's kind of it's his mold. I've always found it weird that the guy uh, after we won a Super Bowl was he was all up in arms. I mean, it didn't matter. Uh, he was still going to be the quarterback in Philadelphia regardless. Right. And he was still intimidated by Nick Foles. It didn't matter. His mentals, his mentals are shot, I guess, as you said, he basically hit it spot on uh, with his character traits. Right. I just don't think he's a coachable guy. So I want to see that team lose a couple lose two games in a row, lose three games in a row, not just because I'm rooting against the commanders, but to see how, you know, that kind of locker room sways and will it snowball because um, uh, the real leaders can build back, right? If you lose a couple of games and steer the ship back on track, I don't know if Carson Wentz will be able to do that uh, in Washington. Also, what's interesting about Carson Wentz is like I said, he doesn't take responsibility and I still feel that way, but he does say the right things when he goes to the podium and has bad games, right? He goes up there and he says that he takes responsibility and I, I got to play better. I got to, but like, if you really listen to all those press conferences, they're very generic answers, right? Yeah. They are the things you want to hear. And he is, I guess, saying the right things, but they're very generic. It's not very specific. And then you see it repeat itself week after week. So to me, that does show the lack of like self-awareness. And it's like, I understand that you can say the right things, but you're not doing the actions after it, which is it's just so interesting to me because, like, I feel like Carson Wentz knows what he should do for those things, but like doesn't do them. I don't know. It's very it's hard to it's hard to figure out. 
Yeah, dude, he's had that same press conference skit writ on his hand for like yep. three years now. Like, yeah, yeah, you don't even need to tune into it because you can just load up the last one and it's going to be the same. Yeah, the same thing. Um, and now I'm going to jump onto another guy that's on that offensive side of the ball with him, which is uh, Terry McLaurin. Do you think he'll come out with it? We've seen him come out with a ridiculous amount of firepower. He now gets paid. Um, will, will Scary Terry have that same hunger after getting a payday, right? He's now chilling. You think he had 71 guaranteed? Was it something crazy? Figures so that he's already cashed the check um, and he was already ready to hold out before the contract. Um, will he have that same fire? I mean, obviously, I, he's a great wide receiver. He's probably going to produce. It's an offensive league. But will he have that same level of uh, fire? Will he be willing to go out there uh, and do the same things on Sunday uh, that that he uh, seemingly did leading into uh, getting the payday? You know, I'm going to side with uh, Scary Terry here. I, I got faith in him. I think he will. Uh so weird to say, but Carson Wentz is the best quarterback he's going to play with, and he's produced those other numbers. And the reason – so not only improved quarterback play, I think he's going to have a really good year, but the reason I feel like even after getting paid, he's going to show up and be the same guy, if not better, is because he. I to me it feels like one of the few Washington players that like really cares about actually turning around this franchise and actually making it respectable for the fans. He, I feel like he cares more than that bogus owner, terrible ownership. But – I mean, he's one of the few players I've seen actually like talk to fans and say like, hey, stick with us. We're going to figure it out. Like, I promise we're working hard. We're trying this and that. So, like, I don't know if it's just a, pu a public image thing. If if it is just that he's done a damn good job building it. But I bought it. Honestly, I think I think he's one of the biggest bright spots on the roster. I want to <clears throat> I have no way to actually know, but I want to say he's one of the stronger leaders and he's going to go in their work. And I, I expect Scary Terry to have a good year. Yeah, I'm the same. Terry McLaurin, he's a uh, stud. I hate seeing him across from us two times a year. Uh, the guy's a beast. Yeah, I don't think the payday is going to slow him down. Uh, I did not know about all the kind of the stick with us stuff. It's interesting, though, that he was going to hold out prior to that. Right, So he gets his bread um, and he's going to be. Yeah, I think he's going to have a good year. As you said, Wentz is the best quarterback, which is crazy to say the best quarterback that he will play with. So as long as Carson Wentz can get the ball out there. To uh, Terry McLaurin, yeah, I think he will. He's in for another good one. The guy's just that good, and it's such an offensive league anyway that like uh, these guys find ways to uh, to put up numbers by accident when they're that good. Um, last question about the Commanders is literally to the defensive side of the ball. What do you do? How how do they get back to the twenty twenty form? Will uh, Chase Chase Young return to form? Will how does that group get back? Because it's seemingly. Uh, on them too, right? They put together a good second half of last year. They really started to come together, but it was already the ship really already sank and it was kind of too late in a sense. Um, how does that unit kind of get themselves back together heading into 2022 and look to, uh, yeah, push the limit? Because it seems like if that defense gets back to form, you have Carson Wentz, like here, they're good enough. They could literally win a division if the defense gets back to 2020's form and Carson Wentz is good enough. Uh, they could win the division uh, almost easily it's scary to say it but at the defense i mean they were on the brink of beating tom brady uh at home in the playoffs so how does that defense get back on track to kind of uh to alleviate some pressure off of carson Wentz so he doesn't uh break uh eight games into the year sprain both ankles at once i think <laughs> i think you are right that it the, it the defensive line is where it starts to me. And I think you are right about saying if the defense plays to their standard and those offensive weapons, they could win the division. Um, it just starts with that D line to me, uh, Montez sweat, Jonathan, uh, Allen, uh, chase young. It, if they can get the pressure on them to me, it all starts with them. Montez sweat. It's just, if you look at that defensive line and how they played, yes, Chase Young got hurt last year, but they they played much better in the second half, as we saw. And there was times in the first half where Chase Young and them got – even when Chase Young was on the field, they weren't producing how they should. So, to me, it all starts with that defensive line. And I say that because the talent on paper for that defensive line could be the top defensive line in the league. And if they show that ability, then, man, it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you get enough pressure on the quarterback – your secondary is going to look great and your team's going to look damn good. So to me, it starts and ends with that defensive line.
Yeah, I'm with you. All the uh, star power on that defense. Obviously, Chase Young coming off the injury. We got to see how he comes back. But yeah, all the star power on that defense is in that front force. So Jack Del Rio has to find a way to reignite the 2020 form and get them guys attacking quarterbacks. Because the secondary, I mean, you have Kendall Fuller back there. You got William Jackson. It's not a great secondary. Is it a terrible secondary? Uh, no, but it's a, a 15 to 20 range secondary. It's not a great one. So you're really going to have to put guys that are looking for paydays, right? Chase Young's going to be looking for one month. Test Sweat's going to be looking one and uh, tell them guys, hey, go earn it. Go attack the quarterback every uh, week for us and put our football team in a position to win football games. Yeah, I think you hit it spot on. There's no real argument. It starts and finishes with that front four. They carry that defense. And if they can get after the quarterback, uh, Washington's in a good spot. It's scary to say it, but uh, hey, we'll see. You know what I mean? It's kind of we thought they were going to come out like that last year. They didn't. Chase Young gets hurt. Then they get better. Um, so we'll see. The sky's the limit. I mean, on paper, the talent is there. Uh, Jack Del Rio just has to find a way to uh, ignite it and let them guys loose. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, to wrap up Washington, I got them going seven and ten. Like I said, right in the middle, it could go both ways. Uh, I go towards the more negative end of the outcomes because at the end of the day, Carson Wentz is your quarterback. You have terrible ownership, and those things matter. I feel like uh, they do have the talent, but they're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, facts. I had them eight and nine. I had them so one more win, eight and nine. I just think, yeah, Carson Wentz, I believe they went seven and ten last year, so I think they're good enough. I mean, Carson Wentz can squeeze out uh, – Another W, one would hope, right? You go out and trade for him. You take on all his money. But uh, I could definitely see it the other way, right? Seven and ten, six wins. As you said, shitty ownership. Um, and we don't know how it goes. That stuff does matter. It kind of trickles down into the locker room and uh, onto the field on Sundays. So I had them eight and nine. Uh, they missed the playoffs and nothing amazing. But uh, it'll be something to be seen. You know what I mean? We got we to gotta keep the watch on Carson Wentz and uh, how the commanders do this year. But let's keep it moving. We are going on to our Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they went nine and eight last year. Obviously, was good enough for a wild card berth in Nick Sirianni's first year. So overall, it was a pretty successful year, I would say. Surprised me. Um, obviously, the big offseason moves uh, this year. AJ Brown uh, comes in. They also picked up Zach Pascal from Indianapolis. So they kind of the wide receiver positions looking good. And then you look on the O line, they do lose Brandon Brooks to retirement. Jason Kelsey comes back. Uh, he also drafted his replacement, Cam Jurgens. So he was happy about him. Defensive side of the ball, Brandon Graham's there, Fletcher Cox. They go out, draft Jordan Davis, uh, Nicobe Dean looking to maybe slide into right now. He's not slotted as the starter, but I mean, if all goes well, I would assume. He will uh, steal that linebacker position. Derek Barnett's back. Uh, we had Hassan Reddick from Carolina. And then in the secondary, the big one is uh, James Bradbury comes over from New York. So, I mean, it's a nine and eight football team last year. Schedule's kind of favorable. I mean, what do you see when you look at the Eagles? It's kind of, we can just send ourselves into the uh, first question. Will Jalen Hurts cement himself as the franchise guy? That's literally the lead question for the Eagles. Anywhere you go, look. Um, can Jalen Hurts cement himself as the guy uh, in Philadelphia this year? It's kind of it's a big year for him. Yeah, massive year for Jalen Hurts. Um, he has all the tools around him. I absolutely love this roster, uh, offensively, defensively. I'm not going to say they're great or phenomenal, but they have good pieces at every position, right? Um, the secondary uh, backups do like the depth does worry me, but. All the talent is there for Jalen Hurts to have a really good game or a really good season, excuse me. I think he will be good. I still, even after last year, he was he was good. He had his moments, and then he had moments where he really struggled. I'm still worried about his arm strength, his accuracy at times. I think they will run less, but still keep the running a huge option because they know how big of a weapon that is for Jalen Hurts. Um I, just, I have a hard time answering if he's the quarterback of the future still. I think we have to just watch this season play out. Um, all the tools are here. There's no excuses going into this year. Um, I'm going to say he has a pretty good season, but even if he has a really good season, I don't know if that gives us – if we leave the season with extreme confidence saying he's the long-term answer, it's, it's really tricky to me. Because the roster is really good. We've seen other quarterbacks when the rosters are really good have really good years. 
but they're not necessarily the long-term answer. It's just, I like Jalen Hurts a lot from a leadership uh, standpoint, from his intangibles, his, uh, the, his mind. He comes off really intelligent, says the right things. You can tell he works really hard as well. I'm pulling for Jalen Hurts and I want him to be the answer and to be the solution, right? But he has to just, he has to show it and play it. We just saw times the wild card game and some big games where like he didn't show up or like just, you could see the lack of arm strength and some of the accuracy and the throws. Um, he's got more weapons and all the tools are here, but it's really hard for me to answer this question. I hope he is the answer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it seemingly uh, is the year, right? Like they're going to decide we have the first round picks. We have the ammunition to move up next year if we wanted to go get a quarterback. But I'm going to be the optimistic guy. I'm going to say that Jalen Hurts does enough to cement himself. I think as a leader, he's a guy who instantly, I believe, last year won over the locker room coming off the Carson Wentz area. You kind of saw the guys uh, through training camp and in the preseason all get behind Jalen. And then this entire offseason, I've just seen the work, you know, him, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, they're all putting in work. He just seems like a guy that never settles, right? It seems like he realized coming off of the playoff game last year in the couple of games uh, last year where we saw passes leak and the arm really not look uh, like what you'd want. I think he just uh, he's out to prove it and he's a hard worker. I think he always has the chip on his shoulder and uh, he's willing to put in the work. And I think that Jalen Hurts is going to cement himself. But as you said, we do have to wait and see. We've seen teams that go out and stack the deck and get everything in place, and then it doesn't work out. I think we're in a very kind of fortunate spot where if it doesn't work out, we still have the ammunition to switch off. But I don't know. There's something about Jalen Hurts. Uh, he kind of has that underdog mentality. Obviously, when Tua took over at Alabama, he kind of stuck around. He just seems like a guy that's not going to give up and is always going to work to get better. And when you look at that, that's what guys in a locker room like to get behind, right? When they see your quarterbacks willing to come in every day, uh, first guy in, last guy out of the building type of uh, mentality. Um, I just got to I got to have optimism with a guy like that. But as you said, the arm strength, it, it is a concern. It doesn't get rebuilt overnight. Everything I've heard out of A.J. Brown, though, he's been super positive uh, coming out, uh, talking about Jalen Hurts, even when the media is kind of I've seen some reports, uh, something about interceptions and in seven on sevens. And A.J. Brown kind of just laughed that off and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, A.J. Brown's really came to uh, Hurts defense. Uh, almost instantly. So I like where we're trending. I just, I trust him. He's a hard worker. He seems like a good guy, a solid leader. So I'm going to say he does cement himself and we kind of have a guy to look at it, at least for the next three, four years at the, uh, at the quarterback position. Um, Did you want to add to it? No, I was just going to say, I, I just the part of like his teammates loving him and the leadership, like, I just think all the intangibles and all the stuff you want from a quarterback off the field is all there. Like, I love Jalen Hurts. It's just if he can put together the few other aspects and, like, really prove it, like, man, sky's the limit. For sure, for sure. Um, okay, question two with the Eagles is, will the offseason additions paid off? We've often seen teams that kind of go out and swing for the fences. Obviously, the Eagles, they go out and get A.J. Brown. Uh they add in a couple of pieces of the linebacker position. They add in uh, Hassan Reddick off the edge. They go out and get James Bradbury. Uh, will these moves actually pay off? You know, I mean, we saw even with our own team in, I believe, 2010, when we went out and made a huge splashes and went out and got guys and got guys uh, saying dream team and all this and all that. And then uh, it, it kind of it flops quick, right? It's kind of a double edged sword. It, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I like the aggressiveness, but uh, yeah, will it pay off? Will, will it uh, reward us with a division title? Maybe you know, win a playoff game, go on a little playoff run uh, in 2022. So I'm definitely a little biased. Uh, Y'all see my background, but I'm gonna say yes, <laughs> right? <laughs> I like the additions a lot, and I really like this roster. I really do. I feel like if we didn't have the question mark about Jalen Hurts, so like let's just in a fantasy world, say we had a really good established franchise guy. I think we'd be talking about the Eagles to possibly represent the NFC, just like on paper, like as a roster. I just, I think they they have the additions are really good. I think the draft was really good. The only thing that really worries me is like the secondary and like the depth of it. Cause I think if we start getting hurt, we don't really have a lot of depth there. Uh, I feel much better about the defensive line depth. 
than the secondary. That's really what worries me. But I have to go on the side. I'm not going to go 2010 Eagles. Man, that was an atrocious quote. The dream team quote is still a nightmare quote, nightmare season. But I really like the additions. I think they shored up their weak spots. Um, I don't think the draft could have gone really any better. I think this, like on paper at least, we'll see, right? But I'm just, I really like the additions. And I'm, I'm very positive going in. Yeah, I mean, when I look at the depth chart as a whole, the yeah, uh, free safety concerns me anytime I'm looking at Marcus Epps and Kevon Wallace kind of going out there. Those yeah. scare me. Kevon Wallace was kind of touted. He was pretty good at Clemson. Uh, we've yet to really see it in the NFL. Um, and then I like Hassan Reddick. Obviously, I think A.J. Brown's going to ball out. The only one that really concerns me is kind of Bradbury, but it's like, I don't know, corners are hit and miss, right? He could either be real good or real bad. I mean, that's just the corner position in the NFL, but yeah, as a whole, I mean, I think it will in a division where we haven't seen a uh, repeat champ since 2004. And um, yeah, I kind of, I think the moves will pay off. You know, you got to get aggressive when you got Jalen Hurts at a manageable number where you can add pieces around him. Uh, Howie Roseman made the smart moves, but uh, definitely free safety. And then, yeah, corner is always a concern. You know, I mean, as you said, with depth of guys, we've seen if the uh, position starts to get beat up, where do you where do you go? So, I mean, hopefully Darius Slay can continue the uh, track that he was on last year, ridiculously good year last year, and uh, everybody stays healthy because that seems to be a plague. And uh, last question is really, what do you think the running back uh, splits will look like, right? What will that position? It's always fascinating. Miles Sanders has kind of been floated as a trade guy. Uh, All offseason, I've heard that they may trade Miles Sanders. They may trade Miles Sanders. Who knows uh, what will actually occur? But what do you think that running back room will look like? Obviously, right now, Sanders is still on the roster. Kenneth Gainwell was there last year. He was more of just a uh, pass catching back uh, on those downs. And then obviously, Boston Scott, he's like, explosive out of the backfield nothing great but he kind of he serves his purpose I mean what do you think do you think Miles Sanders makes it uh, onto the roster do you think he survives the uh, the, all the trade rumors uh, throughout this he's kind of posted some cryptic stuff but what does that running back position look like because it's kind of a big thing we saw last year when they switched to such a run heavy offense the team looked way better and we kind of saw that Jalen Hurts uh, he can be a franchise guy without throwing the ball 40 times a game, right? If we use his legs and use the running backs and obviously use the O-line, which is a strength of the team, uh, it can uh, push the team to new heights. So, yeah, what do you see out of the running back room heading into uh, this season? I really want Miles Sanders for the last couple of years to be like a lead workhorse. I think he has the talent of it. Uh, he might fumble a little too much, but I felt like he never – was never given that ample opportunity for more than like a game or two in a row. Right. We never saw for like even a month stretch. Um, I don't really know about the trade stuff. I'm not going to speak on that because who knows what, how he's actually going to do. I'm going to assume Miles Sanders is on the roster and I would think he's the lead back and gets majority of the work. He's clearly the most talented in that room. But when I say lead back, I don't I still I don't think he's going to be a workhorse. I think like 10 to 15 touches and they go by committee. Right. Because we see between Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, the committee worked pretty damn well, especially when you add Jalen Hurts to that equation as well. And I still think we'll be a run heavy team. We found so much success with the run heavy team. Uh, will be probably less run heavy. You had A.J. Brown, who came from a run heavy offense, so he's used to it. Uh, we got good receivers, Dallas Goddard as well. So it's like <clears throat> I do expect to be run heavy and I do expect a committee approach. But I would think as long as Miles Sanders is on the roster, obviously, he's still the most talented back in that running room. I, I want him to lead the backfield 10 to 15, but I still think it's going to be by committee. Yeah, I think you're going to have a mixture of all three guys. We saw it last year. I don't think anything really changes. I mean, we're now at July 20th, so I'm going to assume as well. Miles Sanders is on the roster. I think if a trade was going to happen, it would have happened a month ago, maybe uh, two months ago, maybe at draft time, they would have swung a deal to uh, get rid of him. Yeah, I don't know. Miles Sanders has been a guy since we drafted him that I'm like, dude, just get him the rock, like find a way. He's so explosive. Just hand him the ball. But then it's like it seems like uptick, 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 and then it'll be a fumble. And then, you yeah. know, there's always like a fumble, a big turnover that happens. And it kind of just it resets him back to ground zero. And it's so odd. But I don't know. I mean, I love Miles Sanders. Uh He's explosive. You know, I mean, he has less wear and tear uh, 
on his body than another Penn State running back, Barkley, right? When they came out, it's like uh, Miles Sanders kind of – he sat behind Barkley for so long that there's less wear and tear. So I've always wanted him to be that guy. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to be, you know, shoot up to a 25 carries a game guy. I think right in that, yeah, that 15 range. And uh, they'll use Gainwell a little bit as well. And then obviously use Boston Scott in some, uh, some of the passing. But I don't know. I mean, I would love – uh, I would love Miles Sanders to just pop this year. He has all the tools. It's just really ball control, right? You can't if you if you can't hold on to the rock, you're not going to have a career as a running back in the league. To be honest, that that is just like a killer. They will they will find somebody to replace you so quick at a position where uh, you seemingly can get replaced at any moment. But um, yeah, I think a committee approach, um, possibly a little less run heavy. We got to see how it plays out, how the offense looks. You know, come September. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's what I, but look, I'm just praying that uh, maybe Miles Sanders can shock me and kind of take over the lead horse role and, uh, you know, build that confidence, uh, get, gain that trust from Nick Sirianni to, uh, to be that lead dog in the backfield. Um, that's it for questions. Um, I mean, my record for the Eagles, not being super uh, Homer, I'll probably get called a Homer since I'm an Eagles fan, but I had them at 10 and seven and, uh, I just there was coin flip games on there. There's a couple ones that could have went either way. I kind of took I like to take the conservative approach because I always assume that there's one or two games a year that you plot in that your team's going to win and then they somehow lose. So I went 10 and seven for the uh, for the Eagles, which covers their Vegas line. I think the Vegas line is like nine and a half. And I think they will uh, they'll cover that. Does that record have them winning the division? Uh, It does. Yes. Okay. They, the Eagles will be the NFC's champions in 2022. I'm right there with you. I think we're keeping up the trend of no repeat champions. And I'm going to be called out here. I got them 12 and five. I think people are going to say that's too high. It's pretty biased. And, you know, I can see that. Uh, I think they definitely win 10 games, 10 to 12. I'm going on the higher end. Uh, obviously, there's some coin flip ones. But even then, going through their schedule, I got them – I felt like I got them losing a good amount to these good teams. And the only other ones that I felt maybe could go the other way would be like a Minnesota game and a Pittsburgh game, which if they lose both, put them at 10 wins still. So, like, I just like this Eagles roster. There's depth that a lot of the positions, especially the important ones. When you got Andre Dillard not starting, that's – to me, that's pretty good depth. Because we'll we'll plug in and play him at some point. Zach Pascal at receiver, uh, Quez Watkins. I just can't. I just like the depth a lot. Secondary depth scares me, but I think we're going to see a lot of strides. Plus, Sirianni to me figured out towards the second half of the year figured out what works for this team, and to have that for a full season, I think it's going to be a big game changer. So I'm really high on the Eagles. Biasly, of course, I got them 12 and five winning the division. Yeah, my first run had them at 12 and 5 as well, but then I kind of uh, scaled it back. So, yeah, 10 wins though. I mean, we'll take it, right? That gets you that gets you into the playoffs, that gets you a home playoff game, which would be another step forward coming from a wild card team to home playoff game. But uh yeah, there's a lot to uh there's a lot to see, but yeah, no repeat champ. That trend will continue uh this year. But we got one more team to cover. Let's keep it moving on to uh, quote-unquote America's team. That's what some people call them. Uh, we got the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the clown Mike McCarthy still running the show. They somehow suckered Kellen Moore into staying. Dan Quinn's obviously their defensive coordinator. He did a hell of a job last year uh, with that defense. Uh, looking at their roster, they bring back Michael Gallup. Obviously, they paid him and uh, obviously let Amari exit, and they let Cedric Wilson exit as well. So questionable. He's going to miss, I believe, the opening portion of the season coming off the uh, knee injury, I want to say. They add James Washington from Pittsburgh, and then uh, you look, they draft Tyler Smith to kind of shore up the O-line. They lose Lyle Collins as well. Forgot about that. He goes to Cincinnati, so that takes another piece off an O-line that was kind of right. We looked at the Cowboys two or three years ago as, damn, that's a solid O-line when they had Travis Frederick. They had Zach Martin. Tyron Smith's obviously still there. They still have Martin and Smith, but it's seeming not as like a uh, lockdown as a, of an O-line as we once see. Uh, Zeke and Tony Pollard are in the backfield as well. It's to be seen how much longer, how many more years Zeke is back there. Tony Pollard seems to be way more explosive. Actually, it's not even close. Tony Pollard is way more explosive and is probably the better back. But as we mentioned earlier uh, on this episode, when you pay Zeke that much money, you're kind of stuck with him. Uh, Dak Prescott, 
uh, it's yet to be seen if he can kind of get the legs going again. That was, he refused to run the ball last year. It was weird. Like there was chunks of plays where he'd have 10 free yards and he would just run to the sidelines. Uh, don't know about that. Defensive side, Demarcus Lawrence is there. They add Dante Fowler um, as well to that. You know, I mean, Micah Parsons, stud Leighton Vander Esch is there. Malik Hooker, Trayvon Diggs. They kind of got the, yeah, it's the same secondary back there. So, I mean, you look at the Cowboys, they went 12 and five last year. Um, what do you see uh, with the Cowboys this year? I'll just go into the first question somewhere the way I did with the Eagles. Uh, what's their wide receiver core going to look like? Because it now looks like C.D. Lamb is going to be the number one guy. They lose Amari. They lose Cedric Wilson. I mean, will they regret, will they regret paying Michael Gallup a bunch of money and he's going to miss this, uh, miss a little portion of the beginning of the year coming off a knee injury? Uh, how do you think that will affect them uh, at the gates? And what do you see with the Cowboys going into 2022? Yeah, so I don't have the Cowboys repeating. I still think they're a wild card team. I think they got a little worse for sure, but I still think they're a good team. Um, to answer the question about the receiving core, I, when I first saw the Amari Cooper trade, I thought it was not good. I thought they were going to really miss the depth, which I still think is possible, right? It always sucks when you lose good depth. Uh, but as far as production goes, I think I don't think they're going to really miss that much receiving-wise. Of course, we're assuming CeeDee Lamb takes that leap like he needs to. Um, James Washington – and then Michael Gallup, and then Cedric Wilson. Like, I like all those guys. I think they all deserve to be on the field starting and playing. And, and you know, they get less snaps if Amari Cooper is there, right? Obviously, Amari Cooper is better. But I, I, I'm i not crazy about it depth-wise, but I still like that receiving core. I still think they're going to be damn good. And to me, it's like, how is that running game going to shake out, right? I think Tony Pollard should be the lead back. I agree with you. He's more explosive at this point in his career. He's a better runner at this point in his career than uh, Ezekiel Elliott is. But are they going to have enough as a whole to get it all done? Because I think, yeah, Mari Cooper's a big loss. I still like Gallup and Wilson and Washington. I think they're going to fill the role fine. And I think, I think for the most part, we're going to see a very similar Dallas team. Um, that's my knock about Dallas, their offseason certain positions you're kind of like mm, a little questionable but even then there's no moves they made to me that made them like exceptionally better to me they maintained and might have got a little worse yeah they just don't have flexibility and just to clear it up Cedric Wilson was out he was there last year they chose to pay Michael Gallup so they moved off of Cooper and uh, they moved off of Cooper and then Cedric Wilson went to I believe Miami so he's out of there so right now oh. it's looking like week one they're gonna have CD Lamb James Washington and Noah Brown uh, featured because I don't think Michael Gallup's going to be there week one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think CD Lamb will miss it a little bit, right? It's easier to play. It's easier to to play alongside a guy like Amari Cooper, right? It's, I mean, you kind of you're you're free to run Amari Cooper. You're not really going to get doubled when you have Amari Cooper and then you had uh, Michael Gallup also out there with you. It kind of had that flexibility, but uh, CD Lamb's pretty damn good. Where I think he'll be fine, but it's kind of a, a thing with Dak is how comfortable is he going to be. Uh, losing Amari kind of had a good connection with Amari. We got to see what James Washington can do. But yeah, I'm right with you. Like they didn't do anything this offseason uh, that really brought them anything better than the 12 win team that they were last year. I agree. They got probably a little bit worse. Um, and that's really they're kind of cap strapped by the Zeke thing, right? You lose your flexibility. They just paid Dak. Obviously, probably is a smart move. I don't like the Cowboys, but paying Dak was probably smart. But yeah, you're stuck with Zeke, right? When you have that contract on you, can't really get off of it. So um, it's yet to be seen. I think they'll be a little worse off offensively. I want to say if I go to the stats, yeah, they were like number one in total offense last year. Um, I don't see that repeating when you lose some weapons and obviously Gallup coming off a knee injury. It's a lot to ask for, but um, yeah, that's really where I'm at uh, with them offensively. I just think they'll look a little bit worse. The team as a whole is a little bit worse heading into uh, 2022. Second question with the Cowboys is can that defense possibly force, like can they keep up that turnover rate? Cause they let up tons of yards last year. Right. But they were forcing turnovers. at such a uh, clip that it kind of made up like, right. They had people like, Cowboys defense is amazing. It's an amazing defense. And it's like, no, you kind of saw at times 
Uh, Trayvon Diggs is an all-or-nothing corner. Uh, he hit on a lot of them last year, hell of a year interceptions-wise. But it's like you come in a year later, and that can literally – they're coin flips, right? If you're a second late and you go for the ball, and uh, bang, that interception, it's now a touchdown. So can that defense possibly force that many turnovers for two straight years or really as a whole just be that good? Because they kind of – they surprised the football world, right? Like nobody thought the Cowboys' defense – was going to be uh, that good and force that many turnovers last year, which kind of really helped them out as a whole. It took pressure off the offenses out when your defense is getting you extra possessions at a rapid rate. Yes. So I did not realize that Cedric Wilson move. Uh, the Noah Brown showed flashes last year, but that does give me less confidence in that receiving core, to be honest. But to the point of your defensive question, I had the – that was my biggest point with Dallas. Can they – force the same amount of turnovers, which is an incredibly difficult thing to do. I remember when Seattle was at their peak in like 2012, 13, we were talking about like, I don't think they're going to be able to sustain that level of play. And then they did. And then as we zoom out like a decade now, we see how many hall of famers and how special that defense really was. And I'm going to go with that. Dallas cannot repeat that same success. I don't think they are that same level was what I was just talking about with that Seattle team. Um, I still think they're going to get forced turnovers. I still think they're going to be one of the better defensive uh, units in the league, but to sustain that uh, turnover rate, especially with how many yards they gave up, I don't, I don't think that's sustainable. And if, if you're going to like give up that many yards again, you're going to need to find a way to get those turnovers. Otherwise Dallas is going to be in a little bit of trouble at times. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. They're not going to repeat it. It's just too difficult, right? There's that we often say, I mean, we looked at it with Washington's defense last year is how many defenses come back back to back years and are at that clip, right? That good. You already mentioned Seattle, like they were kind of an anomaly of a team with the Legion of boom that kind of did it for a uh, little stretch. Yeah. I don't think the Cowboys are going to, uh, to be able to do it. I just don't. Um, yeah, it's just too hard. I mean, they'll still be – I don't think they'll just fall off the face of the earth, but I think they'll regress, you know, right down to, I don't know, the 12, 15 – they'll be a top 15 unit uh, as a whole, but I don't see them, you know, being the number one uh, defense in the league next year, and I sure as hell don't see them forcing that many turnovers. As I said, a lot of the interceptions are kind of coin flip plays where you go for the ball, and if you whiff on it, uh, bang, that's seven points going the other way. So, um, yeah. That's really what I got on that. And then not to mention real quick, Trayvon Diggs, it was literally like a historical year interception wise. That's always going to be incredibly difficult to repeat. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think the secondary turnover wise will definitely take a step down. Uh, Micah Parsons, I think, will he'll continue to be as good. That guy is a stud. Uh, hate to say it, but yeah, I could see him taking it up to even another level. It's scary to say, but it's just hard. It's hard to be that good two years in a row as a defense. Um, and then the last question is really, is this kind of the last real year? You know, I mean, you assume that the Cowboys, they either miss the playoffs, or they go one and done. Uh, you assume Mike McCarthy's gone. Is this kind of uh, the last real year for the Cowboys to kind of make a run at, uh, at anything? I mean, I don't really think, I mean, they're obviously in position. They have a good enough roster where they could catch lightning in a bottle and do it. But is this kind of the last real uh, year, right? I assume if they go one and done, there will be some trades, some moves to kind of reshape. You would almost have to reshape uh, the roster going into 2023. Yeah, I do think it's kind of the last – like they need they need a conference championship appearance, I think, if they're going to maintain it. Um, we're kind of – I think it would be the last iteration of this kind of version of the Cowboys. I think we they would move off Ezekiel Elliott – uh, Leighton Vander Ash, we probably wouldn't see him there. Maybe they move off to Marcus Lawrence. I still think like the newer version of this team, like uh, Dak, CD Lamb, James Washington, Gallup, like I think we would see them again. But yeah, they would make big changes. And I mean, <laughs> there's a decent chance that Kellen Moore is coaching somewhere else next year if they have another really good offensive year. So like if they don't produce, I could see him losing the key players, getting rid of Mike McCarthy, either Kellen Moore becomes head coach or they lose him to a different team. Dan Quinn would probably leave as well. So yeah, I think it is a big year for Dallas. And like you said, they can catch lightning in a bottle looking at this roster. Yeah. I'm worried about if they can repeat their turnovers, but all the talent is there. So like they're more than capable of doing it, but in classic Cowboys fashion, I doubt they will. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's kind of the last run of the mill and then they'll have to reshape. I don't think they're doing it either. I mean, Mike McCarthy, he's just, he's a joke. I, I, I'm going to assume that when uh, Kellamore agreed to come back and kind of pass up on other head coaching opportunities, that kind of Jerry Jones and Steven Jones told him, you know, we're, we'll give McCarthy one more year. McCarthy, if, if we don't do anything this year, he's out and then we'll promote you, right? We'll work a new deal and you'll be the next head coach. So, I mean, I think in 2023, you'll see Kellamore as the head coach. And yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't, I, I can see them making the playoffs. I actually, they probably have them. I had them at nine and eight on the year, which is short of the division, but I believe that should be good enough for a wild card. So they'll be into the playoffs and then it's kind of right. It's free football. Everybody, you get to the playoffs, everybody's zero and zero again. And it's to see if you can catch that lightning in a bottle. I doubt it will happen. So um, I expect some big reshaping, obviously McCarthy out. And I think Kellen Moore will be the head coach of the Cowboys in 2023, but the rest of the roster, yeah, they're going to have to tear some pieces, move off Zeke and really reshape this and continue. Uh, Dak will still be there. He's kind of like the face of the Cowboys right now. The Dak, uh, CD, Michael Gallup, uh, and kind of continue on and see what you can do with that core. But yeah, there will be some big moves. Uh, I think this is kind of the last real year for them to make a run at anything. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And then at the end, I'm still pretty high on Dallas though. Uh, I still got them winning 11 games, 11 and six. I think they're a wild card team. Um, the NFC East is going to have two playoff teams again, the same two, but we're going to reverse the division winner. And yeah, I mean, everything I said about Dallas, they're still a damn good football team with the ability to win. It's just, I mean, how many years are you going to watch the same thing when it really matters? You know, it's uh, until they actually win like a conference championship or make it back to the Super Bowl. I can I just cannot put faith in the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, taking my bias out, I'm th- that same thing. Like I'm not, yeah, it's, it's show me something, right? I've listened to my whole life is this is our year. It's like, okay, well now we're on the point where, yeah, now you got to start showing us something and we've yet to uh, see it. So, yeah, I mean, we both had the Cowboys making the playoffs. We got a change of champions at the top of the division. You got any uh, closing thoughts on the NFCs before we kind of wrap this thing up and uh, get out of here? Very excited to watch NFC East football for really biased reasons. This is the most excited I've been for an Eagles season in probably four or five years. So I cannot wait to see what they do. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. It's kind of where uh, as we picked records, it's really uh, if anything happened, uh, the Eagles, the Cowboys or the Commanders could really win this division. Um, I'm kind of the Giants could, but they're way farther down. Like those three at the top that I mentioned are kind of there. But yeah, I'm excited to see how this plays out, how these additions, subtractions to these rosters really uh, go. There's a lot of storylines to uh to see how they play out this year and it's going to be an exciting season in the nfc east hopefully it's not complete dog shit football and where the league is saying that nobody even deserves a playoff <laughs> spot in the nfc East. like i hope we avoid that type of ordeal but hey it's wait and see we're like a month and a half away 50 days i think it is on the dot actually before the uh, bills and rams play week one so we'll see how the nfc east goes but that's going to wrap it up for today's show. I want to thank you all for listening. Please like, subscribe, and comment. If you have any feedback, uh, leave a comment on this video or even add us on Twitter at Take3Sports. We always like to, you know, banter, talk about football, talk about anything uh, in regards to sports, honestly, over on the Twitter. As always, Spotify link will be in the description if you're audio only. And, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up. We'll be back next week with our uh, next division preview.